Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, today, we are going to be in a series, or we're going to be talking about kindness. We're in the middle of a, uh, a series on the fruits of the Spirit, and uh, today, we're talking about kindness. Last week, Josh spoke to us about forbearance, our patience, and um, we are going to lead this series right into Advent, the Advent season. Um, so I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, obviously, the fruits of the Spirit are extremely important, um, and I think that um, I think we're all going to get a lot out of this series, and I'm looking forward to seeing um, how God shares through the people that are speaking in this series. So uh, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to get started. God, thank you so much um, for the opportunity to speak today uh, about one of these fruits of the Spirit and kindness. Um, I just pray that you will speak through me, uh, you'll speak through your word, um, that you will just uh, speak so clearly what it means to have a kind heart, to be a kind human, um, to seek after your heart and kindness. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, whoa. <laughs> so, um, kindness, we're talking about that today, and what we're going to do is start with the verse in Galatians 5.22, uh, which is about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, so, Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, what I want to acknowledge before we get started here is that, and I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't do this, right? The first one listed there is love, okay? We're going to come back to that at the end when we go into the Advent season. So, we're going to get into love and joy and peace during that time. Um, but what encompasses all of the fruits, all the fruits collectively together, are love, right? And so love is not love without joy or peace or patience or kindness. I think it's, it's pretty clear. Scripture shows us that. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And then Colossians 3.14 says, And over all, these, over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So, to me, again, it's, it's very clear that love has this almost hierarchy uh, of, of all of these fruits, and, and they all come back to love. Um, we're talking today about kindness. Kindness is is merely just a, an element of love, right? Um, and so I think it's important to remember that every one of these fruits that we are talking to, it's going to culminate when we get into love during Advent season. And for me, that's something to look forward to every week. It's, it's another element of what love is. Uh, so again, today we're talking about kindness. So I'm going to start off talking about things that we all already know about kindness. Like this is this is like kindness 101, just a, almost like a recap reminder. 
Um, these, are, these are things that are in Scripture, and these are things that, again, should not be something that's new to you today, right? Uh, so the first thing about kindness, kindness means believing the best about people. Um, I apologize, by the way, I did not upload these slides correctly, and so the fonts are a little bit weird, so I, I apologize for that, and, um, I, you know, obviously it might be hard to read on the screen. Um, so kindness means believing the best about people. Uh, we see this in Philippians 2, 3. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, valuing others above yourself. Um, so kindness means believing the best about people. Uh, and, and one thing I'll, I'll say about this, John Maxwell, um, whether you like him or not, he's a, a teacher of the word, and he teaches a simple exercise about this. Um, he says, uh, put a tin on their heads, right? So what he teaches is when you meet someone new, instead of judging them on a, on a, uh, a um, stereotype or a prejudice, the way that they look, uh, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you meet this person and they look like someone you knew in the past that hurt you, right? A lot of us tend to do that as well. Um, but when you meet someone new, put a tin on their heads, okay? So you put this tin up there, and you automatically say, this person, I'm starting off with a clean slate, and I'm not going to believe the worst about them. I'm going to believe the best about them. And, and some people prove, us, prove that wrong, right? <laughs> some people, they come in, and you're like, okay, maybe they're not a 10, right? Maybe like they're on their, their kindness level is not quite where, where it should be, um, but I believe that you should give everyone the same shot, a fair shot, right? Um, so, again, kindness means believing the best about people. Then, kindness means not being rude. Pretty self-explanatory, right? If you, if you are rude to someone, like, literally, you cannot be kind to them. I skipped over this. Uh, I want to go over a dictionary definition of kindness, uh, the dictionary says that kindness is the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. So again, if you are not, if you're being rude, you are not being friendly, generous, or considerate to someone. I think a biblical definition of kindness uh, is the selfless act of showing people compassion and mercy. And again, if you're being rude to someone, there's no way. No way at all to, to have a kind heart in, that, that, in the midst of, of rudeness. Um, this is a passage that's often read at weddings. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13.4 uh, says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Uh, so really, again, kindness 101. Love is not being, or kindness is not being rude. Uh, number three, kindness means being encouraging to the people around us, okay? Um, again, that's something we should all strive for is to try to encourage somebody. There are times when you need to tell someone, like, in a corrective way, that, hey, like, maybe you need to work on this. But, like, for the most part, we should be encouraging the people around us. And you can encourage someone with correction, right? I think a lot of us do it in a way that's really combative and, and judgmental. But you can encourage someone 
towards growth in a in a encouraging way. Ephesians 4:29. This is a verse, excuse me, that my mother made me memorize <laughs> when I was a kid. Okay, and if, if you guys, I've said this before from this stage, and my mom, when I would say something mean to my sisters, right, she would be like, "Go into your room and read Ephesians 4:29, and then come back and quote it to me." And I literally could quote this in, in, in the King James, by the way, because I grew up, I grew up in a like fundamentalist, independent, you know, door knocking, soul winning, you know, independent Baptist church. And uh, yeah, we uh, we only read the King James version back in those days. So, um, but Ephesians four twenty nine says, "Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen." And I think with this verse, a lot of people hear the first part, and they just kind of stop right there, right? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Um, and, uh, I mean, you look at the, uh, the traditional King James Version. Um, it, it says, do not let any um, corrupt communication come out of your mouth, right? Corrupt communication. It uses that word. Uh, so this, is, this says unwholesome talk in the NIV. And a lot of us stop right there. We just say, okay, don't cuss. Don't, don't, like, say bad things, you know, and then we just kind of stop at that. But for me, what this verse is really getting at is that second part. The only words that come out of our mouth should be words that build people up, right? And when you, when you are encouraging someone, if you need to take a moment to correct a brother or sister in Christ, it needs to be in an encouraging way. It doesn't need to be in a way that's going to hurt them or, or tear them down. So, Again, make sure the words that you're using are building people up. That is an element of kindness, kindness 101. So the next thing here, kindness means forgiving those that wrong us. Forgiving those that wrong us. Uh, Ephesians 4.32, so a few verses later in that chapter, uh, Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Uh, I mean, again, here... Don't really need to say much more about that. That's, uh, that's pretty self-explanatory. Kind of hard to be kind to someone when you have hate in your heart towards them, when you haven't forgiven them. And the next one, kindness means teaching the truth. So I mentioned this earlier, but there are times when you need to correctively you know, teach someone the truth. There's times when you just need to lovingly teach them the word of God, right? Uh, so teaching someone the truth, a verse I, I picked for this was 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10. It says, If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. One thing that I want to point out here, again, kindness 101, teaching people the truth, absolutely, amen. Uh, one thing I want to point out here is when we hear these things from Paul in Scripture and from, from, from others in Scripture, 
about teaching people the truth. Most of the time, it's referring to teaching people that are a part of the body the truth, right? So right here we see it's talking about teaching others who believe the truth, correcting others who believe the truth. And I think that in a kind heart, yes, there are times when you may go to someone who's not a believer and, and be corrective, but most of the time it means correcting people who are actually already believers in the body, teaching them the truth, and doing it in a loving way. We're going to get into this a little bit later in the message here, uh, but I, I believe that most of the time it's, it's referring to corrective truth towards people who are already believers, and we're going to get back to that later. All right, and then the last one here, things we all already know about kindness. Kindness means serving those less fortunate than us. Uh, the verse for this, James 1.27, it's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I think that this is something our church does really well. Uh, a lot of churches may not do this well, but I am, I am proud of how our church handles this, um, especially partnering um, with, with Melissa and Emboldening Ministries. We, we go into... Uh, communities that that might be a little less fortunate and we serve those people we give them food again uh, Leah mentioned earlier in the announcements this drive for Thanksgiving for food um, you know and and you know like I said food's expensive right now but try your best to start picking up a few things and bringing them in <coughs> so that we can pass them out um, to to people who are less fortunate than us and I think that that's uh, that's again what what God says is pure and faultless religion um, to take care of people who are less fortunate. In the Bible, uh, we you know the, the Bible actually talks about this, and it says um, it, it, I looked up how many times the Bible talked about the poor, the phrase the poor, and I had this written down. Oh yeah, well, here it is. Um, I looked it up, and then there was 158 results that said the poor. Uh, pretty pretty important element of the Bible uh, is, is to take care of people we would consider less fortunate than us. Um, so again, things we all already know about kindness, there's six elements. I did this thing where I, you know, and again, the fonts are all messed up, so forgive me here, but uh, <laughs> I did, yes, it looks pretty bad, I apologize. Um, but no, that's my fault, that's my fault. <laughs> I didn't upload the files correctly, and it changed the fonts. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I did this thing where it's it's an acronym. You know, obviously, believe in people, respect people, encourage people, absolve people, teach people, and help people. So, with every breath, breathe kindness. Um, so, those are the six things. Yeah, you know, I I. I personally, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was actually, this is evidence that I grew up Baptist. So um, if you grew up Baptist, you have a three-point sermon and you have a killer acronym with every single message. And that's just something you do, right? So, so listen, um, I personally, I, I don't really love acronyms because they remind me of, <laughs> of my, <laughs> my, uh, my upbringing a little bit. But I do love them in a way, too, because, you know, in, in all honesty, like, you might walk away from this message and you might, you might never 
like remember anything that I said, but you might remember that with every breath that I take, I need to breathe kindness, right? And so you may not remember the individual thing, like what, what was the R again? You might remember that, and that's fine. But if you're thinking through every single breath that I'm taking, like how am I showing kindness to this person, then you're going to start making changes to be more kind. I think, I think that this is, again, kindness 101, with every breath, breathe kindness. Um, so that being said, what we're going to do is we're going to move into uh, three what I call kindness zones where we might need some improvement, okay? And you might find yourself in one of these three. You might find yourself in zero of these three. If that's the case, you should probably be teaching this lesson, and I would gladly hear from you. Um, personally, I find myself in a couple of them, you know? You may find yourself in all three of them. I don't know. <laughs> but the bottom line is uh, today and where we're getting at with applying this truth of kindness to our lives is like, God, what's an area of my life that I need to work on when it comes to being more kind to the people around us? Um, I'm going to share with you guys the one that I need to work on the most here in just a minute. Um, but we're going to walk through these together. Um, so... So areas that we need to improve in, one, your legacy. So kindness determines our legacy. And so here's my question for you here. This might be the one that you need to work on um, if you are not answering these questions with a yes. So have you ever been called a good guy or a nice guy? Or maybe if you're a woman, like a you know, sweet woman, sweet person, whatever. If you've never been, <laughs> if you've never, if you've never been called that before, you've never heard anyone describe, oh man, you know, oh, Jeremy, he's such a nice guy, right? Like, if you've never, and everyone here knows Jeremy, and Jeremy's a nice guy, right? But like, if you've never been called that before, well, this might be the one that you need to work on a little bit. Uh, do, do people come to you? when they need help for something, when they need you to volunteer, sign up for a volunteer for something. Um, if not, maybe this is the area that you need to work on a little bit. Um, so what we're going to read together is a story in Acts 9. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, this is really small. I apologize. So I will read it out loud. You guys don't have to, uh, to actually um, read it on the screens. But... Um, in Acts 9, verses 36 through 42, it says, In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. Hey, Tab Tabby. I know it's not your name, but still. It's close. It's close. So, um, In Greek, her name is Dorcas. It actually says that in Scripture. Um, I would stick with Tabitha, too, if my name was Dorcas. So, um, She was always doing good and helping the poor. I just call you Dorcas from now on? All right. <laughs> Uh, about that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Uh, Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. 
He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. So here I could, I could focus on the second half of that where, I mean, this amazing story of God raising a, a dead person to life. There's so many stories of that in the Bible. Um, Jesus did amazing things, and then he told his disciples that you're going to do even greater things than these, right? And so here Peter, God used Peter through the name of Jesus to raise this woman to life, to raise Tabby to life, Tabitha, <laughs> to life. And, and here's the thing, and we can focus on that, and I, I thank God that, that so much that, that he is powerful enough to raise someone from the dead. Amen. Amen. But in this case, what I want to focus on is Tabitha's legacy. Okay? So in the first part of that verse, it says, she was always doing good and helping the poor. And then what we see is that when she dies, when she's gone, the people around her are so like hurt by her by the loss of this woman that they're like go get the Peter go get the disciple like bring them here see if they can do anything to bring her back like see if they can do anything to bring her back and it was because she did so much to help her community she did so much to help the poor i mean you can make the argument that they were like bring her back so that we don't have to do that now you know <laughs> that could be the argument for sure but in all honesty like her legacy was this woman cares for people this woman has just this kind heart where she serves her community and so the the challenge here to think through if this is your area that you need to work on is like if, if and, I, and I know this sounds really really dramatic but like I went to a funeral this past this past weekend um not not yesterday but a week before uh and it was it was my one of my best friend's mom and um at her funeral people got up and they just spoke so, so kindly of her kind heart, right? Like they just talked about how she was one of the most kind people that you would ever meet. She loved everyone, everyone that came into her home. She, she welcomed with open arms. And she did that to me. She helped raise me. She helped raise, um, you know, me and then her son and, I mean, obviously her son. But, uh, and then our other friend, Ben, like the, the three of us together, my, my friend, his name, his name was Luke as well. And, and, like, she gave us a place to hang out and play music. You guys know sometimes I come up and play in the band, and, um, and if it wasn't for her, I would have never developed any type of musical ability. I never would have. But she welcomed us into her arm and let these three teenagers just be completely rowdy and make all kinds of terrible noises because we were horrible at music when we first started. But we got better over the years, obviously, um, with more practice because she gave us a space for this. And... She was just this kind, amazingly loving person to put up with three just crazy teenagers, right? And then you heard at her, at her funeral all these other stories of things that she had done for people and people she um, you know, did things for. I mean, going out and serving people at her church, just this amazingly kind woman. Um, so that's the question. It's like, hey, what are people going to say about you if you're gone, right? Are people going to be so upset that you're gone in your presence, is it going to be missed in your community? Um, and, and if not, then maybe this is the area that you need to ask God to work on for you, right? Like, am I going to be missed when I'm gone? Um, so, so that's the first one, legacy. The second one is repentance. And it's this idea that kindness leads to repentance. Um, often you don't think of repentance when you think of kindness, right? 
Um, but we're going to dive into this a little bit. So Romans 2, 1 through 4 says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Um, This verse always set heavy with me. Um, growing up in the environment I grew in, grew up in, you know, it was, it was hard because a lot of what was taught in my church had to do with, with, you know, this corrective idea. And it's very judgmental. And I mean, there was a lot of love in my church too. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of love, but there was a lot of judgment, a lot of condemnation. Um, uh, and so, so with this area or zone that you might need to work in here's some questions to ask yourself is your motivation to be obedient to god based on guilt or shame or is it based on kindness and grace do you tend to gravitate towards judging or condemning others instead of showing them grace and if so then maybe this one's for you again this is something i've had to in my years really work through is not gravitating towards judging people when 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 someone hurts me or someone um, wrongs God right it's easy for me to jump into this this idea of judging them and as I've worked through that I've gotten to a place of my life where in all honesty I'm kind of on the other end right and I find myself like Jesus the group of people that he was the most frustrated with were the Pharisees right um, and I found myself having to realize that, you know what, I do the same exact thing when I judge people for judging people, right? I know it sounds weird to say, but I think that sometimes we get there, right? Where, where we can be quick to judge people when they're quick to judge. Does that make sense? And, and I, I think that, um, again, this is an area that I need to work on as well. Um, and then there's, there's Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. It says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So one thing I want to point out here about this zone of kindness that we may need to work on, um, it's very important here when we read this passage, it says, first of all, speaking the truth in love. And I've seen so many instances of, of Christians who speak the truth to people, yeah, right? But may not be in a very, very loving way. Um, that's not what we're called to do. And, and also, I think that it's pretty clear here that we're called to speak the truth in love to who? The mature body 
people body is talking about the people who are followers of Christ. Christ is the head and we're the body, right? So when you speak the truth in love, speak it to people who are part of the body. Um, here's, here's an example, and I, and I don't say this to, like, say bad things about them. You know, they, I know that, that God uses all sorts of ministries and all sorts of um, you know, different methods of, of, of telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's, uh, there's these guys um, that I used to watch back when I was in, like, Bible college, and I thought they were amazing. Um, it's a, I think it was called, like, The Way of the Master, but it's a Ray Comfort and um, and then uh, Kirk Cameron, right? You guys know who I'm talking about? You guys know those people? Uh, they would do these, like, they would basically confront people in the streets, and their whole method was, have you ever stolen anything? Yes? Then you're a thief. Have you ever, you know, and they just go through this whole list of different things, right? And their whole thing was to convince someone how terrible they are and how horrible they are, and then tell them about how great Jesus is right? And for me, for the longest time, I was like, gosh, that's amazing. That's so good. And I started to realize over the years, I started to get more and more like convicted by that. And I started realizing like, hey, like this is the good news, right? Like you don't lead off the good news with some really bad news, right? And so like the thing is, most people don't need to know, don't need to be told that they're bad. They know, they know they're not great people, right? Like you don't need to just beat somebody down with that. Um, you just need to go to people and tell them there is a God in heaven who loves you so much. He created you and then he died for you and he wants a relationship with you. And that is the good news of the gospel. Amen. You don't have to start off by beating them down. And I think that it's again, it's that kindness that leads us to repentance. Kindness will lead us there. It's, it's not it's not going to be. It's not going to be this amazing speech that you memorize telling someone all of their errors and all of their faults. It's the kindness of God that's going to lead them to repentance. Um, so here's the third area, and this is the one that I need to work on the most. Okay, um, Silence. So kindness is sometimes keeping our mouths shut. So again, this is my area. Uh, here's a couple questions to ask yourself. Does silence or solitude make you feel uncomfortable? Do your friends say that you are a social butterfly? Okay. Uh, do you always feel that you have to give your opinion when someone disagrees with you? Okay. These are questions to ask. Um, and one that I'll add in is... Do you have to have the last word in an argument? And my wife is not here right now. She's with, some, with her family up in the mountains. They're celebrating some birthdays this weekend. Um, but my wife likes to say that I have to have the last word. I always have to have the last word. And I'm like, no, I don't. And then I prove myself by saying, no, I don't, because that's the last word, right? So... So the bottom line, and my mom used to say this about me when I was, when I was a kid as well. That's why she made me memorize Ephesians 4.29, right? Um, was she was like, you always have to have the last word. You can't just let me have the last word, can you? I'm like, nope. <laughs> and, and then she gets mad at me, and I'm like, but you asked me a question. You want me to, you want me to not answer it? I mean, I'm going to answer the question you asked. If I don't, that's disobedient, right? Like, 
And I mean, I just, I don't know, I would, I would sit there and go around with her like that, and she would get so mad at me because I always had to have the last word, right? I was a tough kid. I was, I, was that, I was that one that was always, always questioning everything, which honestly turned out pretty good for me because I feel like that helped develop my faith as I grew older. Um, but that's a side note. But again, there's, there's several verses here, mainly because this is the one that is you know, closest to my heart. And the one that I need to work on the most, so I found several verses that um, you know, spoke to me about this. So James 1.26 says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Um, again, this is not just talking about the words that we say, you know, like if they're cuss words or if they're bad words. This is, this is more about being able to know when to speak and when to stay silent right? Uh, this is about knowing the right words to say to people. Um, this is about not feeling like your opinion has to be heard on every single little thing. Sometimes keep the mouth shut, right? Sometimes you can do that. James 1.19, a few verses earlier, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And uh, I think for me, this one is, uh, these, these two verses are, are a little bit deep for me. They cut to my heart, right? I am quick to speak, and I need to be quicker to listen. And um, so, I mean, as I, was, as I was working through kindness and, and researching and praying through it, um, this one jumped out to me more than, more than any of the others. Um, and then there's the story of Job. You guys know the story of Job, right? Um, in Job 2, we see uh, verses 11 through 13, his friends, I'm not even going to try to pronounce their names, I'm going to skip that part. Um, so when Job's three friends heard about all of the troubles that had come upon Job, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. And they began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes, and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Um, as we know in the story later on, they didn't stay silent and they started giving bad advice to Job. But in this moment, what happened is that they said, Hey, we see how badly this guy's suffering. And what we need to do right now is we need to get with him on his level and just suffer with him and just love him and comfort him just by being there. And it says for like literally seven days and seven nights, they didn't say a word. They just sat with Job. They just sat with Job. And I wonder how many times someone has come to me hurting and downtrodden and and I've tried to offer them some sort of, you know, beautifully constructed, beautifully worded advice when all they needed was for me to put an arm around them and cry with them, you know? Um, so, so sometimes, in this case, kindness is keeping your mouth shut. Um, so we're going to wrap this thing up. We're going um, to do some, some application time. Um, but what I, what I want to do right now is I want you to ask some questions 
a couple of questions um, to ask yourself. If you are in one of these three areas, maybe it's all three, okay? Maybe it's two, maybe it's one, maybe it's none. Again, if you are, come see me afterwards. I want to learn from you. But some questions to ask yourself here, and this is kind of the, the what do we do with this? What do we do with, with okay, I, I know now this is something I need to work on. What do I, what do, I do with this? How do I apply this to my life? Um, so the first one here, if, if uh, kindness determining your, your legacy is something that you kind of struggle with, here's a question to ask. Again, I talked about the, the funeral thing earlier. It's a little, a little dark for, for Sunday morning, right? So we're just going to keep it with this. If your life became a movie, your life story was a movie, what kind of character would you be? Would you be a hero of the story? Would you, would you be a villain? <laughs> like, would you be some uh, character that people sympathize with and root for? Would you be that character that you're just like, man, like, okay, so like, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an explanation here, uh, or an uh, example of this. I watched this TV show called Friday Night Lights. I'm not endorsing it from this stage, but you know, it's, it, I think it's a, I think it's a good show. Okay, um, so it's a football TV show. If you guys like football, and there's this character in there. The coach's daughter, Julie Taylor, okay? And there are, like, forums on Reddit about this and everything. Like, Julie Taylor is kind of a bad person, right? Like, she's she's a sweet, you know, soft-spoken, like, girl. But she makes some really bad decisions and really selfish decisions, decisions, right? Like, and like people have noticed over the years of watching this show, you don't really notice it at first, and eventually you start to realize, like, yeah, she's kind of not a great person, Right? Um, so what will people say about you and, and what kind of character you are? If your friends and family, classmates, coworkers, if they were interviewed about you, what, what kind of things would they say? What kind of things would they say? So if your goal is to live your, your life where kindness defines your legacy, then start to think about what you can do in your life to where, man, people are going to say good things about what kind of kind person I am, Right? So that's kind of a, a, a way to walk away from this um, if that's your area that, that you need to work on. Um, if, if your area is repentance, kindness leads to repentance. Um, here's a couple of things to ask yourself here. Is kindness my first response when someone wrongs me or when someone wrongs God? Uh, or does my first response tend to lead towards judgment and condemnation rather than grace? I already kind of said that earlier, but this is... These are some questions to work on. Like, where do I tend to, to, uh, to end on that? And I'll say this. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a background. Everyone has hurt that they've walked through and things that they've been through. And so when we tend to judge someone or, or get easily frustrated by someone, try to remind yourself. Like, you might want to lean towards, I can't believe that that person acts that way. Maybe you're not judging, like, a sinful thing or a bad thing that they've done. Maybe you're just judging the way that they respond to you or they might just rub you the wrong way, right? Try to understand that this person has a story and this person has a background and they've walked through some hurt that I may not be able to understand, right? And it doesn't, and, and I, I talked to this about my students this week um, or with my students this week. Uh, I, for those of you that don't know, I just took a job as a teacher. Um, and so I talked to them about, hey, like, they haven't had a teacher all year. They had a teacher for four days, and then he quit, right? And now I'm stepping in, and they've had subs for, like, the last month, right? And I told them, I was, and a lot of them have not done their work 
surprisingly. <laughs> They've had a substitute teacher for over a month straight, right? So a lot of them have, like, some of them have, like, 30s and 40s in my class. And I'm like, man, like, this is, this is crazy. But, like, you know what I told them is I was like, hey, what you guys have done not doing your work, it is understandable. Like, I, it, honestly, if I was a high school student and I didn't have a teacher for over a month, I might not have done my work either, right? Like, I'm going to be honest, and I told them that. And I said, oh, it's understandable. It doesn't mean that it's excusable or that it's acceptable, but it means it's understandable. And so when someone rubs you the wrong way, when someone's kind of hurting you, um, and you, you tend towards, towards wanting to judge them, and like, I can't believe that person treated me that way. Your response needs to walk through that, that lens of, is it understandable what they've been through in their lives? Is it understandable? Again, Telling someone that, that what they've done is understandable does not mean it's okay, right? It doesn't mean it's okay, but it means that you can have a different understanding of where they're at. And, maybe, and what I've done with all my students, right, is I've said, hey, I'm going to give you a chance to make up that work. Now, I'm here now. I'm here now. You're going to make up that work, and we're going to get your grade to where it needs to be by the end of the quarter, right? And so, like, I've given them that expectation, and now if they don't do that, that's their fault, <laughs> Right? But, like, I've done what I can in that case to try to go to them and say, hey, I'm going to be understanding. And instead, I could have just come in and been like, and just judge them immediately and be like, hey, those of you that have done your work and you have a 90-plus in my class, great job. Those of you that haven't, sorry, you're getting an F. Like, I could have done that. And that's not a way to approach that. I have to come at, come at it with an understanding heart. And, 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 again, all cases are different with people, right? Like, you have to approach every relationship in a different way trying to be understanding of what they've walked through. Because um, you want people to do that with you, right? Like some of us have walked through really hard and difficult situations. And we want people to be understanding of why we are the way that we are too, right? So kindness leads to repentance. The last one is when it comes to silence. And kindness is something that sometimes keeping our mouths shut. So here's a couple questions to ask, ask yourself. Is my first reaction to open my mouth, or to listen? Uh, do I find myself interrupting people in conversations often? It's a pretty easy one. Am I comfortable with silent moments in conversations? When they get silent, am I okay with that, or do I feel uneasy? We've got to learn how to be more comfortable with silent moments in conversations. Um, and then my question that I struggle with, do I always have to have the last word? Um, so this idea of working through these three kindness zones where we might need some improvement and questions we can ask ourselves. It all comes down to the idea, again, that kindness is an element of love, right? And, and joy is an element of, all, all these things are elements of love. Josh has for, I mean, I've been here for um, about two years now. We've been coming here about two years. And one thing that I've learned in these two years that Josh has, it's been a it's been a, uh, a theme of, of this place for us is cultivating joy, right? And I think if I couldn't, like, regurgitate that to Josh right now, he'd probably be so disappointed in me. Because he said it so many times, right? But it's this idea that in our lives, like, like we hear the culture tells us, oh, you just got to choose joy. Just choose joy, right? Just, just choose patience. Um, just, just choose kindness. Just be a kind person today. And the problem with that is it's not realistic to say that we can just choose to be kind today. Um, it's something that we have to cultivate, right? Just, just like we cultivate joy, 
you have to cultivate kindness. And that's something that involves every single day just evaluating yourself. What, what did I do today? What did I say today that could have been done in a better way? And hey, like there's some times where people who walk with us in the body of Christ, you're going to come along someone, you're going to speak the truth and love to them, and you're going to say, hey, like here's something I saw, and like, you know, may not have been the best approach, may not have been the most kind way to approach that. And like in, in that case, you can get offended and hurt, right? Or you can say, okay, maybe that's something I need to work on. Maybe I need to like take this area of kindness and, and focus on, on trying to improve on those interactions when I have those in the future. Um, so ultimately, the, the ultimate application, these are all questions you can ask yourself here, but the ultimate application is this, and um, I don't know, Jessica or, or Josh or whoever, if you guys want to come up, we'll do another song to close out here. Um, but it's this, learning to love like Jesus means learning to cultivate kindness. Um, it's just a simple, simple principle, guys. Like, um, if you want to love like Jesus, if you want to become more like him, and that, that should be our goal as disciples of Jesus Christ, right? And if you want to do that, you have to cultivate kindness, just like we, Josh has spoken to us about cultivating joy. Um, it's, it's an everyday battle. It's an everyday thing that we have to go through. And so, again, with those three areas, if one of those is something that you need to work on, my challenge to you this week is to pray through that and think through that.